Good afternoon and welcome to another VSA Capital Technology and Transitional Energy podcast with myself, Phil Smith. And this week we have a special guest as uh, Andrew Racker, as uh, Andrew, Andrew Racker, Andrew Monk, our CEO, is away traveling this week. But my guest on the podcast is Richard Coffer from our corporate finance department. And Richard, how good are afternoon, you? Phil. Sorry, Richard. Good afternoon. Thank you for that introduction. Um, my special guest is probably somewhat over. Overdoing it, but um, very nice to be here and join you, Phil. And shall I jump straight to it then? That would be excellent, Richard. Go for it. Excellent. Well, we've just had moments ago the ECB put out a decision increasing rates by a quarter of a percent. And so, interestingly, in terms of talking about the macro, I think this week this inflation still remains intact. So Eurozone inflation this week was announced at 7% in April from 6.9% in March. So it's remaining fairly steady. We've seen the Eurozone putting up a quarter of a percent just now. So that should steady, steady the ship. We've seen UK's core inflation. This is inflation which removes volatile food and energy prices. That ticks a little better. That was down for the first time in 10 months, Phil. So that's now at 5.6% in April from 5.7% in March. So the mood music's starting to feel marginally better. We've seen some supply chain bottlenecks appear to be freeing up. Import prices appear to be receding. So the general mood music is slightly better than it has been. However, the task is still an enormous one for these central banks and more onerous than ever, really. They, they've still got to reduce inflation. At the same time, they've got to guard financial stability and protect, protect anemic growth. So they've definitely got their work cut out. And this is all without being quite sure how far existing um, rate hikes have already filtered through into the economy. So I think it's an interesting time. The picture is still very, very mixed. But um, the focus from, from central banks remains on returning inflation to its target rates. Um, and we've got follow-on meetings next month where we can expect the Fed to also raise rates by 25 basis points. So, you know, we're still, we're still in the cycle where rates are going up, but we're hoping that they're coming to peak soon with the expectation that the ECB interest rates peak at three and a half to four percent. In terms of earnings, Bill, well, Q4 last year was horrific for US earnings, um, and they've been punished more severely, those that issued profit warnings, than any time since at least the turn of the millennium, according to the Financial Times. So two quarters later, and the earnings scorecard is definitely off to a better start. But there is, as ever, a however, which is that both the number of companies reporting positive upgrades and the magnitude of those upgrades are still below their five-year averages. So life remains tough. In terms of recent Q2 earnings, 28 S&P 500 companies issued a proper warning, whereas 20 managed to issue upgrades. So... Where does that bring us out in terms of valuation? Well, PE multiples 12 months forward is at 18.1 times. So that's below the five-year average of 
but it's still above the 10 year average of 17.3. So given the economic backdrop, it's sort of fully priced, I would argue, on those sorts of multiples, fair to fully priced. It doesn't feel benign enough to, to justify anything more than that. Um, one of the things I did notice, Bill, quite interestingly, was that Apple issued its Q2 earnings last night, and they've spent $572 billion on buybacks since 2012. And a quick back-of-the-envelope calculation, that's the combined market cap of the FTSE 250 today. That's awesome numbers. I just thought I'd sort of round off, really, in dispatches. I thought it was worth referencing the FCA proposed some rules to simplify the IPO process. I don't know if anybody's come across this. They're now creating a new category of listing called the innovative issuers. And they'll be able to, and they'll be able to, you won't have to be necessarily profitable, there'll be dual class structures. This new category will also have a lower free float, you won't need 25% anymore. The minimum float will now be 10%. Moreover, and for a corporate financer like me, I won't have to issue a prospectus if you're raising money from institutions. So that's definitely most welcome. Um, so I think that's an, these are interesting developments. However, we have seen something similar to this before, Phil. I think you're old enough to remember back in 2013, the LSE created something called the high growth segment with sort of with a similar idea of attracting um, high growth businesses and technology. You didn't want to dilute down to, um, an issue more than 25%, 25% plus of its issue set capital. But having already seen this before in 2013 with this high growth segment, five companies listed on that segment and, and it lasted up until 2018. So that was one a year. And none of the companies that did list on this high growth segment were sort of well-known technology names, unicorns, household names. So I query, whilst, whilst I welcome these changes, I personally remain unconvinced that this will make any meaningful difference in terms of seeing a return to the IPO market. And I think until government, FCA, start addressing equity allocations, the speed and cost of an IPO versus private equity, the fact that private equity returns are reduced by leverage and a tax incentive regime. Um, it's not entirely obvious to me, at least, until some of these bigger issues are addressed, why, why one would necessarily opt for an IPO over private equity, and I think more needs to be done to level the playing field if we want to see a decent return to the public markets. So I'll draw stunts there, Phil, get off my hobby horse, and uh, I'll hand over to you, Phil, for the company news. Well, Richard, thank you. Thank you for that. There's nothing wrong with having a hobby horse, and uh, as Andrew and I have discussed many occasions, on on this podcast you know anything that uh makes it you know opens up the public markets a lot more and makes it easier for companies to raise capital in the uk and helps us to have the sort of you know tech investing environment they have in the states would be be very very welcome but welcome but thank you very much richard for those inputs i just um, I mean, what I'll do this week, I'm just going to go through some of the US uh, results and then UK company specific and with a focus on sort of end sectors because, um, you know, we're very much here focused on sort of economic drivers, uh, drivers of spend because ultimately, you know, that feeds through to 
uh, companies in the tech and transitional uh, energy sectors and their share prices. Um, and, and one that caught my this is on industrials, and, and we've been looking at looking at industrial spend. And this is a company called Hexagon, um, and they are a, uh, a large global supplier of industrial instrumentation, particularly measurement positioning systems and software. Uh, and they reported their first quarter results, um, and they have been managing cost inflation in their supply chain currency movements. Um, but they said their operating profits were in at 372 million euros against a year earlier of 335 million euros, an organic sales growth of 8%. Um, so there's a good strong set of results there and reflecting industrial spend um, and also maintaining the strong operating profit margins of 29%. And, and, and keeping with industrials and companies with technologies into the industrial markets, um, Emerson, again, big global multinational, um, and they supply uh, all sorts of uh, industrial um, equipment, so valves, actuators, controls, safety measurement instrumentation, software for digital operations management. So their kit, Emerson kit technology is used across automotive chemicals, power generation, a range of industries. Um, and again, they had their first quarter results um, and they raised their 2023 outlook and reported better than expected quarterly earnings uh, and this is on strong demand the company reuters for their automation systems and in a tight uh, labor market so again like um, hexagon reflecting continuing business spend um, on equipment into the industrial sector now an area where spend has definitely been weaker as we know we talk about is in consumer electronics um, particularly, we've seen the PC market um, hit. I mean, IDC, I saw figures from them expecting it to be down to like 30% uh, first quarter this year. We had poor results from AMD, the chip company, into the into the computer market, so hopefully improving. But we saw results this week from chip maker Qualcomm, um, and they're a big supplier into the uh, into the smartphone market, and they're saying that uh, the smartphone industry is going to take longer to use excess chips. Uh, this is on inventories because obviously people built up inventory during COVID, there's sort of high demand, um, but um, smartphone demand has remained weak overall. Um, and according to Canalis, uh, this market research group, they're expecting shipments to fall 13% this quarter. So, so you know, consumer electronics results coming through continuing to be uh, a bit weaker there. Um, Apple, I think we do have actually reporting as well i think that's to come through though uh, richard you made a comment on that but moving on from consumer electronics onto automotive now again automotive is you know cars are big ticket consumer spend so again we're watching this very closely to see what's happening within the economy and getting a feel of what's coming ahead um, but remember that it's a bit of a confusing picture because the automotive makers have been catching up you know, the supply chains have been catching up with their demand. They've not been able to get their silicon chips to build the cars. So now supply chains are easing, as Rich commented on earlier, and they are building um, and, and, and getting growth in volume. So VW, one of the biggest in the world, has just reported its first quarter. Uh, it's seen a 22% uh, rise in revenues and car sales rose by 6.5% to 2.1% million units now what is interesting is we're in may and vw are maintaining its targets for 2023 and expecting deliveries to rise by 15 percent to 9.5 million overall so it's expecting strong demand to continue 
And what is also very interesting for us and in the tech sector is what is happening in EVs, because obviously EVs are going to be a big drive for tech going forward. Uh, they were 7% of VW sales, and they have said it is seeing higher competition in the market. So this is something that Andrew and I spoke about the last couple of weeks, how we're seeing a lot more competition coming to ch from China, um, and also quite a bit of price pressure, and that can feed through as well. But they are, you know, expecting to stick to their profit guidance, um, and they're, but they're seeing intensified competition. And we saw a similar result from Ford as well, very strong sales. Um, more competition in EV. Uh, it had, you know, it's developing its own electric motors, Ford, and um, you know, it's taking taking a hit on losses there, um, and it's being supported by its petrol vehicles at the moment and saw strong overall results. But it's expecting to move its its EV division into profit. I think that was in 2026. I read, but they're seeing the profitability recover there, but again, reporting price pressure. So we'll keep a close eye on that because. What happens in EV knocks through a whole load of areas in technology. Um, Steward Automotive, uh, this is Infineon, another, another chip maker, um, and they're Germany-based. Infineon have been around for many, many years, um, but they, they're a big supplier into the automotive sector, but also renewable energy generation and energy infrastructure. And they reported uh, raising their full-year guidance and outlook with strong demand from EV, electric motors, renewable energy, and energy infrastructure, which is very, very encouraging. Um, and they said they're expecting full-year revenues of 16.2 billion euros against the previous forecast of 15.5. So they've raised their expectations there on strong demand from those sectors. Um, uh, so that is all quite positive. But you've got to remember as well, you've got to watch these results closely because they are a chip maker, chips supplies being constrained into automotive. Now it's easing up. But of course, they're benefiting from that as supply chains are easing and into the auto industry. So, so that was sort of more generically across the sector. So still seeing strong demand in, in automotive, uh, despite consumer pressures, a lot of investment going into EVs which is all good news, but also strong demand from industrials. So we're not seeing any businesses, or I'm not perceived you know, right now in the industrial space, but cutting capital expenditure in a big way. And if the economy really suffers, you will see them cut. So we're not seeing that coming through. Just quickly on to the UK, um, and some specific results were quoted here. One that Andrew and I have discussed quite a bit, which is Computer Centre. Uh, Tigger is CCC, 3.6 billion market cap. Shares are up 22% year to date. That could... Computer centers are a really interesting stock. Um, the guys have been quoted for a good number of years, long track record here of, of generating profits. Um, and they're a big supplier to business of technology uh, resource. Now, that can either be tech equipment, you know, computers, networking, security, or software that's related to that, or outsource um, IT support and IT services. Um, and they said that uh, strong growth experience through 2022 has continued into the first quarter of this year, uh, which is good news. Um, they're managing uh, their margins. They've seen some challenges in margins. I guess they've got quite a bit of inflationary cost in there, but they are managing that. Uh, they've seen a return to seasonal normality. Um, and they're expecting growth in profitability both in the first half of this year as well as for the year as a whole. So that was quite a good, uh, good outlook from them. They said customer demand remains strong despite economic headwinds. Um, so they're not seeing their customers spend uh, cut spending at all. Now, 
This is one I've not come across before, Richard, and it's a company called Ashted Technology. The ticker is 88S. The market cap's 293 million. Uh, they reported their full year results. Um, and this company is, is equipment rental, but it's equipment rental into a highly specialist area. It's equipment rental into underwater, uh, into, um, into underwater. It's underwater technologies and support services. So it's a global offshore energy sector is a big driver for their business. So they have uh, three core businesses that's surveying and robotics, mechanical solutions and asset integrity. I mean, you know, it's all about going underwater, installing wind turbines, oil rigs, whatever it is that, that's subsea um, for installation, inspection, maintenance, repair, decommissioning of infrastructure. So it's all about offshore energy. Uh, they reported revenue up by 31% to 73.1 million and organic growth with an acquisition in there. But organic growth, get this, was 23.7%. So strong, strong growth there. Probably a lot of this future recovery in offshore uh, oil and gas. Um, you know, we've seen, seen those markets come back post-COVID, and it's said here that it's driven by renewables and indeed offshore oil and gas. Um, and gross profits up by 34%, so revenues up 31 gross profits up by 34 and filtering through the profits, um, EBITDA up 47% to 20.1 million on sales of 73.1. So first time I've had a look at this one, uh, and that is one very good set of results. So that's, uh, that's Ashted. Technology, tickers ATAS. And I guess the final one from me, um, and again, this is one we've we've looked at before, and this is uh, Zoo Digital. Really interesting. This the ticker is ZOO, the market cap's 134 million pounds. Uh, and Zoo provides what are called cloud-based localization of media services to global entertainment industry. Well, that's a quite a chunky off description, but basically, um, I, you know, Richard, I'm sure you view Netflix, but Netflix have a, you know, there's a, there's a massive content offering of, um, of programs that aren't in English, uh, and particularly programs that are in Spanish, uh, be it films, be it TV programs, but, but all these programs often have to be dubbed or localised, you know, depending on where the market is. So they may be produced in Spain, Portugal, wherever, but they have to be dubbed for the local markets and translated. And this is what their software and their uh, services suit does. Um, and they, they just commented today they've made a small acquisition, a company called AM Group, um, and they are basically going to act as a hub for Zoo's operations in Spain and Portugal. Um, an AM group have got facilities in Madrid and Valencia, recording studios, control rooms, mixing rooms. Um, so this is going to help expand uh, their offering um, for Spanish programming. Um, and they've noted here that Netflix launched uh, in Madrid in 2019. So very interesting acquisition for them. Um, I have Spanish connections in my family and I certainly know <laughs> how much demand there is for for uh, you know Netflix's Spanish offering and, and and how broad that sort of thing is. So uh, so Zoo have made that, um, and interesting to look at their this is forecast from Icon. Um, this is analyst forecast and um, therefore revenue of 94 million the year in March in this year, raising to 110 million, and net income uh, to go up from uh, six million pounds to I think it's about nine million, but it's on a P of 30 times four to 19 times, and Zoo raised money. Uh, earlier this year in April, uh, they raised £12.5 million to provide funding that was at £1.60. The share price is now £1.49, but it's a, 
it's an interesting company that's got some good drivers behind it. That's Sue Digital, that's ZOO. So we've been a bit thin on results this week, Richard. We've had a bit of a bank holiday for us all to enjoy. But um, but there we are. And uh, Richard, thank you very much for thank guesting you. with me this week. Uh, and uh, thank you for your inputs. And I hope you're able to do that again. And I'd finally like to suggest, as Andrew always does at the end of our podcast, is that if any of our listeners uh, have got any suggestions, then uh, do write in and let us know. Or if you think we've missed anything, write in and let us know. We're always very grateful to hear from you. And, and we look forward to doing another podcast at the same time uh, next week.